I promise I'm not a lush, but considering the dives I frequent in this series can see how it would be easy for you to make that assumption. Truth be known, I'm actually something of a lightweight, and for me, drinking is only part of the equation because I just believe a great bar can tell you a lot about a place. The Irish have pubs, Germans have beer gardens, and in Mexico they have cantinas. But in Texas, we have honky-tonks. And as I think you'll discover on today's trip to Bandera, there's no honky-tonk quite like Arky Blue's Silver Dollar. I'm Evan Stern, and this is Vanishing Postcards. Before we take today's trip, for any of you who live in or just happen to appreciate my beautiful hometown of Austin, I want to take a moment to recommend checking out the Austin Found podcast. Produced by The Statesman, this show is hosted by their arts critic Michael Barnes and historian and radio personality J.B. Hager. Each week, these two sit down to discuss and shine light on stories and moments in the capital city's evolution. I've heard them talk about everything from how Austin faced down the 1918 influenza outbreak to where people used to go for chicken fried steak 50 years ago. But more than researching history, in many cases, these two have actually lived it. So if you're up for an edifying listen, do yourself a favor and check out Austin Found, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, let's get on with the show. It's Friday night, and Cindy Gonzalez, the lead singer of the band Rebel Roxy, is working the crowd at the 11th Street Cowboy Bar. I think her song choice is pretty fitting, because when it comes to a night on the town, you won't have to go far or spend much on a round in Bandera. Go to other small towns, maybe, that are comparable in size to ours. And you go through those towns, and I mean the, the streets roll up at 8 o'clock, whereas we are a party town, and there's always bands um, going on at some bar, you know, even during the week. And so you're always going to find a little bit of action. Uh, it's the biggest, friendliest little town you've ever seen in your life. We've only got 950 people here. We only have 25,000 people in the whole county. And yet every weekend, Bandera is slammed full of people. So it's a busy, fun little town. If you've never been here, Bandera sits about 50 miles west of San Antonio in a picturesque corner of the hill country. It's small and lacks the historic and architectural refinement of nearby towns like Bernie and Fredericksburg. But when it comes to fun, the options for trouble around here could give some of the big cities I've visited a run for their money. Walk around the corner and you'll find the chicken coop. Heading into town from the west, you'll happen upon the red horse. And a half mile up 16 will lead you to the boot and saddle. All of these dives have salty charm in spades, but while I hate to ruffle the feathers of any locals, only one can boast truly legendary status. You, you can go a lot of places and you look for... You're kind of looking over your back all the time. Here, 
you're looking for a piece of firewood in the wintertime and a cold beer when it's in August. <laughs> you know, that's about all I can say about that. But now it's a, it's just a honky-tonk that has a lot of memories. And uh, it's kind of like a cowboy church or a cowboy museum. And if you want to be politically correct, it's for cowgirls too. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> I thought they'd come together. I didn't know they come in ones and ones. It's just a good place to relax, hang your hat, go dancing. Uh, the ones that get out of hand, yeah, we take care of them kind of. And the ones that want to have a good time, we help them. <laughs> you know? The place we're talking about is Arky Blue's Silver Dollar. Tucked behind a discreet red door on Main Street, for the uninitiated, it can be easy to overlook. But to pass this spot would be to miss out on a night at the oldest and, in my mind, best continuously operating honky-tonk in Texas. What is a honky-tonk, you might ask? The history and origins of the term are disputed, so... Instead of falling down that rabbit hole, I decided to pose that question to a few regulars just to get a basic description. First hint that you're in a honky-tonk, if you walk down in the stairs and there's sawdust on the floor and there's live music and cold beer, it's pretty, pretty much assured you're in a honky-tonk. But a honky-tonk is just a, a beer bar that's known for old-timey country western music and a little sawdust on the floor. Well... Arky Blues has sawdust for sure. Be careful not to slip on any after you come down the stairs at the entrance, as you'll find yourself immediately standing on the dance floor. After your eyes adjust to the dark, look to your right and you'll see a small stage. The night I was there, a group called Texas Country had everyone clapping along. Checkered cloth-covered picnic tables lined the wall, and past the pool table, on the other end of the room... You'll find the wooden bar stocked with Lone Star, Michelob, and miniature bottles of Sutter Home for the ladies. Altogether, it ain't much. A low ceiling, a pressed red tin, four walls covered with posters, occasional taxidermy and beer signs, and a haze of Marlboro-scented air. But the place just has a certain feeling about it. Everybody's played here, from Hank Williams, uh, Daryl McCall, uh, Willie Nelson... Um, some of the old-time uh, artists uh, uh, way back when. Uh, so many great people have played here. It's just like there's music in the wood. There's music in the furniture. Uh, it just it just has that vibe to it. My first memory of Bandera was seeing it in a magazine, and it said the best country music in the world. So we came here just on the spur of the moment, and we walked down those steps, and I was in flip-flops, and I danced until I had blisters on my feet and had a blast and said, we're coming back, and we've been back every year since. Housed in what had been an old telegraph office, singing cowboy Arky Yinky, who was granted the name Arky Blue by a producer given his penchant for broken-hearted country ballads, took over the place in 1968. Since then... He's kept it open 365 days a year, only closing it once in its 52 years on the occasion of his Oma's passing. He and his band still play here every Saturday night, and in speaking with the regulars and those who work here, everyone seems to agree that Arky is the glue that binds the silver dollar together. 
He's an icon. <laughs> He's an icon. You need to be here. Arky is is this place. I mean, if if he wasn't here, I don't know that it would ever be the same. This is his place, and people come here because of him. With a reputation like this, I had to meet the man, and was told I could count on finding him here in the mornings, where he gathers with a breakfast club of old ranchers. I strolled in around 10.30 to find a small but sturdy crew, seated at a long fold-out I'd learn is referred to as the Table of Knowledge. A Playboy magazine sat casually splayed in its center. The TV in the corner was turned to a cattle auction, while the fireplace warmed the room and a few engaged in a fierce battle at the Dolly Parton-themed pinball machine. All were smoking, and most drank beer. But Arky sat at the head quietly sipping a coffee with a dollop of heavy whipped cream. Eighty-something, tall and pale-skinned, he wore a t-shirt, workman's jeans, floppy wide-brimmed hat, and boots. Pulling a pachero to his side, I felt like every inch an interloper. And, while cordial, Arky refused to let me record him. I ain't got nothing to say, he said. What you see is what you get. I try anyway. What was your first night of business here like? He says, hell, I can't remember. I shift gears. If you could give a piece of advice to a young musician, what would you say? I don't know. Okay. If this place were to go up in flames and you could only run in and save one thing, what would you grab? Don't talk about this place catching on fire. Well, based on some of the conversations I had, it sounds like he might have skirted this danger a few times. I don't, one night, I wasn't here, but I heard about it that he lit a fire under one of the bartender's chairs that he. Through the evening, he kept walking by and had wadded up paper towels that he was tossing under her chair. She was drinking. She was off duty. She's drinking and not paying attention, and then he lit it on fire. Some of his favorite things to do are, like, somebody will be sitting in a chair, and he'll go in the bathroom and get a big old wad of toilet paper and put it under your chair and set it on fire. In fact, I went to the ladies' room one time, and I came back and I sat down and I kept smelling something. I said, what is that? And so happened, I had a pair of shoes and that had a little straw on the bottom of them. And he caught the bottom of my seat on fire and I said, Arky, he said, Barbara, he caught the bottom of my chair on fire. <laughs> he put a fire under my chair and I couldn't believe he did it. But now I'm laughing about it at the time. <laughs> I wasn't very happy, but I love Arky, so I got over it. (laughs) Back at the table of knowledge, Arky's daughter-in-law, Charlotte, who's sitting to his left, tries to open him up. But after a few moments, he casually rises and exits the room. I ask Charlotte if I'm driving him crazy. She says, if you were annoying him, he would have left a long time ago. He comes back handing me a CD. The best of Arky Blue, favorites from four albums. Here, he says, shaking my hand. This is my life story. I can respect that. But if Arky won't speak, his bartenders Kathy and Saprina seem happy to talk for him. I chose this place thinking it was going to be temporary, and it's turned into 22 years. And that there again is because of Arky. I mean, there's, there's four of us that have been here 18 plus years which is unheard of in a bar, you know, most most often, I mean, fly by night. But 
he's just so good to us and we've just all stayed and we're devoted to him and he's devoted to us and we have wonderful customers and you know just mostly because of him. Saprina, whom I chatted with as Linda Wilder led the Saturday afternoon jam session in the background, told a similar story. Well, we were headed to Bloomington, south of Victoria. My husband had been through here many times, so we stopped and Sunday evening and headed down the steps, and I called this place a dump. I said, what a dump. Arky heard me. Little did I know, five years later, we'd move here. I would quit my job because I didn't want to be in Austin, and I would end up going to work in Arky's dump, as I called it. <laughs> so. It's now been 19 years, and she tells me that she knew she was working a very different kind of job when, on the night of her first shift, a man brought a longhorn steer inside. And when I asked her what her wildest memory is of Arky, she doesn't hesitate. One night... I left here. He told me to go ahead and go home. There wasn't any. It was a weeknight. It's pretty slow. And I got about 30 foot out the door and heard a gun go off. And so I came running back in here, and Archie is walking back up from the front up there with a possum in his hand and a shotgun in the other hand. And I said, what the hell are you doing? And he said... Well, I knew that son of a bitch got in here and was hiding up there, and that's why I wanted you out of here, because I brought my gun over earlier, and I was going to get him, and I got him. <laughs> so the back of that booth up there by the steps has got little peppered marks all in it where he shot that shotgun, but yeah. So Argy doesn't have a problem shooting a gun in here if there's a critter in here and nobody else around. He'll, he'll go after it. <laughs> But longhorn steers and possums aren't the only four-legged creatures to have made it through the red door. On break, I ask Linda if, in her years of playing here, she can name any particularly wild sightings. Uh, well, a horse came down those stairs that most people have trouble with. We had a horse and rider come down once. Had a lady try to pole dance on these square <laughs> beams. Uh, that was quite interesting. Um, a few sexual exploits in here. I, you know, just a normal honky-tonk. <laughs> Turns out, Saprina was here for the horse, too. A Labor Day weekend, this place was packed, and uh, I kept telling people to get out of the way because the horse had shoes on, and I knew when it hit the cement it was going to slide, and it did. It, it slid all the way up to this post, and we had people scattering, but... Um, that's probably the wildest thing I've seen in here. The man responsible for this stunt was none other than local cowboy Hoot Gibson, who, as luck had it, just happened to be standing at the bar. All those bad words you say, like son of a bitch and all them other shit-ass words and all that, they're vulgar. They're adjectives. I do it too, but not God's name in vain. And if you edit that out, that'll be okay if you put it in there. Put it in capital letters. Strutting through the bar in spurs, a slouch hat, full-length coat, and bandana, I trust this one-time roughneck could have had a shot at landing a role in a John Ford Western had he been born a few decades prior. Following an introduction from Saprina, we grab a seat on the back patio where he puffs on a hand-rolled, unfiltered cigarette. Running fingers through his graying walrus mustache, he tells me of the trail ride he guided to Canada how an oil patch secretary nicknamed him for a silent screen star, and the day he gave up rodeos. 
I got off riding bulls when I was 49 years old. That's the last time I pulled on a nine-ply rigging with a bell. That son of Poochie did exactly what another guy told me that bull was going to buck, and I rode off-handed instead of riding for the buck. I'd already rigged the tie with a left instead of a right hand. I ended up breaking three ribs in the back, big ribs, punching a lung. And I got off of that ball and I said, God, I barely could breathe. I said, I'm getting too old for this shit. So I quit riding bulls when I was 49. <laughs> Sick of working the oil fields, Hoot moved to Bandera in 1987. And to tell you that since then, the silver dollar has provided something of a second home. The experiences of the silver dollar in Bandera over the last 30, 40 years to me has been personal. They'd get my mail here. People from all over the world, they'd mail me a letter or package or do something. And they, I didn't have a address, uh, but they always knew I'm coming back to the silver dollar. I know that. But so I just had all my mail routed to the silver dollar and yeah. But while this place has earned the title of institution, Kathy and Saprina, without prompting, both confided in me some anxieties concerning the inevitability of a silver dollar without Archie Blue. Uh, it's gonna be really sad because I'm afraid they're gonna lose the last um symbol of Bandera. We've already lost the cabaret and the purple cow. And I'm really praying that the silver dollar is not next in line because I'm sure his son's going to take over and try to keep it running, but he's not a singer and performer. I, I don't know what, what that's going to look like, you know, without Arky here. One resident I spoke with, who requested anonymity, went so far to say she has visions of the sidewalks of Bandera curling up and in on themselves without him. Archie Jr. is not Archie Sr., she told me. But for Hoot, this is a thought he'd rather not entertain. I ain't got on that horse shit. I don't know. I guess he'll be like George Jones. Cesar Massey, Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard. Just got the memories and who's gonna fill his shoes? I can't I can't go there because ain't nobody gonna fill his shoes. But life goes on. Don't want to think about crap like that right now. It's not what is inevitably going to be is going to be. There's one thing that's true to life. Nothing stays the same. It changes. Whatever it changes. What used to be a <coughs> six-banger in an old truck is now kind of like more like a Cadillac truck and who in the hell wants to pay forty, fifty thousand dollars 
for something that ain't even got a shower and a crapper in it, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> you can do them other places, you know. He's got some points. That night, after dinner, I return here to catch Arky's set, which I'm told starts promptly at 8.30. But while his band, the Blue Cowboys, are on stage playing a Waylon Jennings cover, I don't see Arky. Turns out, he usually doesn't roll in until around 10, and even then only gets up and performs when he feels like it. Some nights, not at all. Given his reticence this morning, and having already nursed two beers, I decide to go ahead and call it quits. Dodging couples on the dance floor, I leave a 10 in the band's jar, then head upstairs to leave. And you know what? I think that's okay. Because here's the deal. Maybe I'm a naive tourist, but based on the hours I spent here, believe the silver dollar exists on its own terms. Yes, Arky deserves every accolade for building this honky-tonk heaven into what it is over the last half century. But it's about more than him. It's about people like Kathy, Sabrina, and Hoot as well. Bandera might have been built around a courthouse square, but I believe this place to be its true heart and soul. Yes, it will change. Transitions are rocky, and other seemingly immortal joints have closed. However, provided Arky's son keeps the atmosphere safe and fun for workers, the bands continue to play, and folks still come to this town in search of a dusty floor to dance on, I think the silver dollar will endure. And on that note, I'll leave it to Hoot to close us out. What'd they say? Uh, 18 or 80, crippled, blind, or crazy. I'm going dancing tonight. It don't matter which one gets a hold of me or I get a hold of them, you know. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much a hoot, if you know what I mean. <laughs> As you may have guessed, I recorded this episode pre-COVID, which forced Arky to take the unprecedented step of closing for the first time since his Oma's passing. But I understand they're now back in business, and the music's playing once more. Speaking of music, everything you've heard was captured live, and the performers included were Cindy Gonzalez of Rebel Roxy, Texas Country, with a special shout-out to the incredible Lori Gibson on the fiddle, Linda Wilder, and Arky's band, The Blue Cowboys. These folks gig regularly in and around Bandera and encourage you to check them out on social to see where they might be playing. Thanks to them, Kathy, Saprina, Hoot, the many who welcomed me and my microphone at the Silver Dollar, and of course, the man himself, Arky Blue. I've also got to thank you for listening. Assuming you've enjoyed this postcard from Bandera and haven't already, please subscribe. It guarantees you will never miss anything. And as always, if you know someone in your life who might enjoy what we're up to, it would mean a great deal if you could take a second to text them and share this episode. For photos and more, please find us on Instagram or visit vanishingpostcards.com, where we'd love to hear from you if you have any memories or stories you care to repeat or know of any places we should consider visiting. Our theme music was written and performed by Max Krause and Emily Young, but I'm leaving you today with a classic from Arky Blue, 
who gave me his blessing with a handshake to let this song do the talking for him. The places I used to go, I don't go no more. The cabaret to me is just an old dance floor. The purple cow and silver dollar, to them I can't take Sarah. So we slip around the back streets of Bandera. The back streets of Bandera is my second home. The back streets of Bandera, where we're left alone. How long can this go on? When will she have her share of slipping around the back streets of Bandera? Streets of Bandera. Bandera. 